theory. All right, in theory we should be we should be live. But of course, uh, speaking of quantum mechanics, I require the uh, our audience to collapse the wave function to let us know that we actually exist. <laughs> Joining me today, I've got Jim Al Khalili. Jim, welcome to uh, Open Space. Pleasure to be here. Uh, now you, uh, you know, I'm Canadian. So we've got David Suzuki here. A lot of my viewers are American, have, have their American equivalent. I don't know, uh, some Neil deGrasse Tyson guy or something. But uh, you chair all of the science communicating responsibility with, uh, with a couple of people in the UK. So let people know who you are, what you do. Right. Well, I'm a professor of physics. So the day job is that I'm an academic. You know, I have this... Uh, quite sort of nice role called Distinguished Chair in Physics at the University of Surrey, which is just south of, of London. Um, and I do that for half of my time. So I teach undergraduates, I have my grad students, we do my research in quantum mechanics. The other half of my time, I'm, I guess what you'd call a public scientist. So you're, you're right, like Neil deGrasse Tyson, there are several other um, physicists certainly in, in the US, uh, Michio Kaku, Brian Green, both based in New York. You've got people like Sean Carroll, Caltech, Lawrence Krauss. These are guys who, you know, they're, they're, they're academic scientists, but they also write popular science books. So, yeah, I'm one of a handful of people in the UK. Brian Cox is, a, is a, another. Yeah, he covers um, the other half. Of the... He covers the other half. We, we, we tend to do like TV documentaries on the BBC, but yeah. we tend to be on different channels. So we don't tread on each other's toes. And <laughs> right. so between us, we try and spread the word. Yeah. And so specifically, your um, you your background is in nuclear physics, right? Yes, that's that that's my research area that I've published most of my papers. Yeah. So uh, we're part of the reason why you're joining me today is you've got a new book out. Have you got your copy handy? That's like uh, hang on. Yeah. Let me just uh, reach out. I've got it behind. There we go. <laughs> there we go. Right. The world according to physics. Cool. It's adorable. It's Thank a, you very much. It's an adorable book. Um, it's been I'm, I'm about uh, two thirds of the way through it now. It's been a it's been a very uh, entertaining, enjoyable read. Um, let people know what the book is about. Right. Well, it's um, I mean, I've written a, a number of popular science books, uh, a lot of popularizers of physics. Uh, certainly these days tend to write these huge, great big tomes, you know, a thousand words or more covering, you know, everything from, you know, Galileo and Newton all the way up to string theory and multiverses and so on. Uh, for me, I wanted to write something, not because I'm lazy and I, didn't, I, don't want to know, I only want to write a small book, which is, and it's lovely, it's like pocket size. Yeah. I, I, I always say, you know, if our physics, our knowledge of the physical universe is like an island, and beyond the shores of the islands, the great ocean of the unknown, the stuff we still don't know yet, and there's plenty out there. This book is not the exploration of the island, it's a stroll around the shoreline. So the cutting edge, the limits of what we know, bring people up to speed. What are the latest ideas? How do we know what we know? And what are we still missing? What are the pieces of the jigsaw that are missing? What are we hoping to find out? So it's really my love affair with physics, the subject that I've spent my life thinking about yeah. and, and trying to enthuse and, and, and explain it to others, putting it together in one neat little package and say, this is why I find it so exciting and fascinating. Well, one of the things that I find that I've, that I've sort of realized as, as I've been doing my work as a science communicator is that, is that we are, you know, we are standing on the shoulders of giants. We are looking back and we're seeing all of the accomplishments by Newton and Galileo and by Einstein and all of the hard work 
in quantum mechanics done uh, in the last century. And yet we're going through our own mysteries they're unfolding all around us and yet on the one hand people have this perspective like oh yeah of course relativity is a thing of course quantum mechanics are a thing not that anybody understands it and yet they are frustrated by the progress that's being made in things like dark matter dark energy and some of the the very limits of physics as we understand them today do you experience that same kind of almost I don't know. It's a, it's this weird impatience slash like they just want it. They want to get to the answer right away. I, I think that's true. On the other hand, I, th I think it's great that we still have these mysteries. Um, and I think I'd find it quite boring if we had all the answers, you know, although we strive to understand the universe. I always say it's like, you know, kids at Christmas, you know, before you open your presents, there's that. Oh, what is it? What am I going to get? Once you've unwrapped your presents and the novelty's worn off, it's, oh, OK, yeah, fine. So I, I I want to reach these answers and understand some of these things that we still don't know about yet. But at the same time, it's, it's nice that there are still these mysteries. I think what's changed in the last few years is that if you go back like to the, to the beginning of, of the century or sort of the, the, the late um, 20th century, physicists were almost convinced that we're approaching the end of physics, right? You know, we just got to dot some I's, cross some T's, our theory of everything that, you know, the equation that you're going to put on your T-shirt, we're almost there. And it's probably, you know, super string theory or something like that. Now we're starting to think, no, hang on a minute. As you say, we don't know what dark matter is made of, you know, dark energy, who ordered that? Um, uh, was there something before the Big Bang? We thought the Big Bang was the beginning of space and time. Oh, no, maybe that's just for our universe. Maybe we're floating in a multiverse. And, and by the way, what does quantum mechanics actually mean? You know, the, the, there are questions now that we're starting to think, well, maybe it's not not quite go back to the drawing board because as you say we've come a long way we we we, we don't think einstein's relativity is wrong we don't think quantum mechanics is wrong but we know there are missing pieces in our understanding and we don't know how far back we've got to track back and start again yeah uh, we think it's more than just a, a, a small fix so we think there's this the, we need another einstein to come along yeah but i think you know part of it for me sorry my dog just busted through the house and running around um quite excited <laughs> uh the thing for me is just it's weird to me that people have this impatience that 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 of course there are going to be mysteries that we are living through and it's the back and forth and it's the you know scientists have discovered this and that pushes the evidence a little mm -hmm. to this way and then scientists have discovered that and it pushes the evidence a little to that way mm -hmm. and and that's the fun of being part of watching this mystery unfold and and almost yeah. keeping score at home. We're watching the game, you know, and we're going, oh, yeah, you know, this team is up. Oh, that team is up. Like, I think if you watch uh, <laughs> soccer, football, as yeah, you guys yeah, call it, yeah. it's it's a similar approach as long as you don't get too invested into either side and actually get emotional about it. I find it very, very entertaining. Um, and so, you know, we are. And a lot of people have this almost um, uh, like visceral negative response to things like, as you said, dark energy. Who ordered that? Dark matter. Mm -hmm. That's weird. And yet I think we have perfect examples of weirdness at a colossal scale. Things like quantum mechanics, things like entanglement. Talk about things mm. that nobody ever ordered. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 I think part of it is that people maybe don't often understand how science progresses. You know, a scientist will never say, I am 100% certain about something. We always say we have doubts. We always have to question our current theories. 
uh, you know, because something else, you know, an experimental result or a new observation may come along that renders the theory wrong or in need of improvement. And, and, and that's how we progress in science. But for a lot of people, you say, well, I'm, 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 we're not sure about this. Not sure. They don't like that. How, what do you mean you're not sure? Or that you say, oh, you know, I made a mistake that, that, that what we thought was right about the universe turns out to be wrong. In science, it's okay. It's not an embarrassment to, to admit that you've made mistakes. But can you imagine a politician saying, yeah. I made a mistake? You know, so I think people maybe don't quite understand that science works in a different way. We always have to question things. It doesn't mean we're not confident about what we know. It's because of the way we do science, because we always have to check our theories and test them, make predictions that we go away and see if it does, does that theory, does it bear out, does it hold water? We're constantly trying to knock our theories down. So if they keep standing, like quantum mechanics or relativity, despite us trying to knock them down, then that gives us trust in them. But, it, but you can never be sure that they're not going to be yeah. replaced with something better. And I think that that process, I mean, obviously, as, as fans of science and of the scientific method, we've seen this play out. And of course, we're surrounded by the wonders of the of the modern age. A lot of it is due to science and due to that process. And yet, as you say, you know, imagine a politician goes, well, I used to believe this and now I believe that I've changed my position on this because the evidence <laughs> has changed. And yet. And so, you know, part of this book is is for us to learn to think like a scientist. And and how can we do this in a society that that has sort of a negative approach to people changing their mind, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, so the last chapter in the book, I, I actually talk about I, it's called thinking like a physicist. Um, and I do almost, you know, have this hope that we can export some of these ideas about the scientific method, the way scientists think about the world, into wider debate. I mean, if you think now, you know, we're uh, particularly in the US, but actually also in the UK and other countries, we have this polarization of, of ideologies and views. And you have to take one side or the other. And it's amplified by social media. There's never there's no nuance anymore. It's black or white. You're with me or you're against me. And people then, you know, you, you hear about these terms like, you know, filter bubbles and, and echo chambers, you know, and, and uh, um, uh, you know, the confirmation bias. So you're like, you hear something that you agree with. Yeah, that's it. That's why I believe what I believe. You hear something that, that goes against it, that makes you feel uncomfortable and, and you try and dismiss it or downplay it. That's just fake news and so on. So that's not how science works and science is always about collaboration and questioning what you know and having doubts and and, and uh, uh, you know if someone else comes up with a yes as individuals you know we want to promote our own theory if i've published papers in a particular field uh saying that you know the world behaves in this way i don't want to hear someone coming up with an experiment or a rival theory that tells me i'm wrong that's personal that's human nature yeah but science as an endeavor in general we do question, we do look outside the bubble, we do try and reach consensus by talking to each other. And I think, you know, we'd be a, the world would be a healthier place if we could export some of those ideas to general discourse among the wider public. But in some cases, some of those initial findings have an impact on our lives, you know, as we're watching uh, a, an illness outbreak, as we think about just overall health issues, mm -hmm don't eat fat, do eat fat, don't eat carbohydrates, do eat carbohydrates. You know, we are taking action in our lives that is based on what seems to be the direction that the evidence is pointing. And yet when the evidence starts to go the other direction, we then get frustrated and feel like we've been yeah. sent in the wrong direction by, by science. Yeah. 
that's why either you know, you last week you told me a glass of red wine was was good for me. Now yeah. you're telling me it's bad for me. You know, yeah. I mean, part of it is is I think uh, uh, the media l likes things to be so simplified. You know, a science scientific study will say here's the risk of you know this eat, having this particular diet or having this particular lifestyle. If you do this, there's a that extra you know one percent chance that you might you know develop some 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 illness um uh, uh, journalists or journalists a lot of science correspondents are very good very careful but sometimes certainly in the tabloid media they just want to pluck out some message that then it gets amplified and wider society who don't have maybe a, a mathematics background or grounding in statistics or an understanding of risk get the wrong end of the stick and then of course it, it becomes frustrating when there's another study uh, that may be not telling you the last one but the way the media presents it it suggests that it's you know polarized views and and also of course you know where do you get your information from um you know there's so much out there now on the internet in particular that you can't blame people for getting frustrated because they're hearing conflicting views so one of the things that i think is important is how can people learn to differentiate between valid, good science and just the pseudoscience, the nonsense. You yeah. know, in an age when people say, you know, my opinion is better than your evidence, uh, you know, any, anyone can believe whatever they want. And, and it's tough because, yeah. you know, you don't want to censor what people say. But on the other hand, how, how does the average person know what to believe when they read something online? So, but do you think that, that this modern age with social media and the way science is being communicated and miscommunicated and a lot of times, as you say, pseudoscience is being communicated, mm. we are, this is like the first time this has happened in essentially in human history that all of these ideas are all coming together in these marketplaces instantaneously in a way that's never been possible before. Are we gaining an immune system? Are we essentially being vaccinated in real time for the future of this? Are we learning lessons, do you think? Or is this, you know, is are the problems that we're seeing with social media and this miscommunication of science going to plague us for, for centuries? No, I think I think we will adapt. I think we will learn. Um, um, humankind is, is very flexible and able to adapt to new technologies that come about. So in that sense, although, yeah, the internet and social media gives us this inst instantaneous uh, flow of information from lots of different directions and we're all connected with each other, uh, it's not entirely new, of course, because throughout human civilization, you know, people have got together, they've gathered with like-minded people. You talk about stuff, rumors spread, people make stuff up, some people are uh, uh, you know, uh, are less credible than others, and 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 they have followers who believe them. Um, so we've always had that, but of course, yes, it's been amplified by the internet and social media. But I think because it's so new, we're only now coming to grips with the implications, and I think we're going to have to learn how to um, deal with with all this information coming in and learning to put in the filters. Uh, so I don't think it's something that's going to plague us forever. I think we're just going to have to adapt more quickly than we have in the past. That's what's happening now. You know, but with technology changing so quickly, um, things are happening over the course of a single human lifetime, over the course of, of, of years or even less than a year. You know, 10 years ago, if I showed you the latest iPhone, you think that's, I'm, you know, that's magic. Yeah. Um, but, you know, a thousand years ago, someone talking to someone 2000 years ago, they wouldn't have 
they'd have quite a bit in common because the world hadn't changed so much. So it's changing ever more rapidly, but I'm still, I still have faith that humankind will adapt and learn to, to cope with, with these technologies as they come about. Yeah. I'd like to shift gears a little bit here. Um, you know, as someone who is involved in nuclear physics, in particle physics, of course, the uh, the large Hadron Collider uh, has produced some stunning results. It did its job. It found the Higgs mm. boson as as predicted. And yet particle physicists have 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 had a hard time going any farther like the the yeah. wish list has not been fulfilled of finding any either breaking the standard model or even being able to extend beyond the standard model into supersymmetry and other kinds of more exotic physics. So where do you think that we are now on this on this search to try and extend the standard model to whatever comes next? Well, I think it's a surprise, uh, frustrating that we haven't found any. The Higgs boson was confirmed in 2012. The Higgs was always a sort of played up as you know, it was the poster child of the Large Hadron Collider. That's what we're building this great big machine for, $10 billion or whatever, to, to, to look for the Higgs. Once the Higgs was found, you know, people were saying, oh, okay, so you guys gonna just shut up shop and uh, close the, the and they said, oh, no, 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 we don't know. The, the Higgs was just the start. <laughs> right. you know, we wanted to discover all sorts of other things. Um, so the big surprise, you know, wasn't the discovery of the Higgs. That's a box that we ticked. We expected to, it to be there. You know, theories have been around for, for, for half a century. The big surprise is, as you say, not having found anything else. The hope was, for example, that, you know, people working in string theory rely, string for string theory to be right, nature must behave in a particular mathematical way uh, according to something called supersymmetry. Supersymmetry uh, is, is a, it, it, although it's very abstract mathematical, it tell, if that idea, if that mathematical idea is the way the universe behaves, then it predicts there should be lots of new particles called supersymmetric particles, which we had hoped to see some evidence of at the LHC, and we haven't. Now, if you're still a, a fan or if you're still a string theorist and you invested your career thinking about it, um, you'll roll with the punches. You'll say, well, no, you know, we never said that the Large Hadron Collider, the energy at which you're colliding your, your beams and creating new particles is the energy that's going to create these supersymmetric particles. Maybe you need so much more energy. You know, they only they say, okay, well, you say that now. You didn't say that when, we were, when we were, you're asking for the money to build the Large Hadron Collider. But it's true, you know, it's, it, uh, it doesn't mean that this idea of supersymmetry or string theory is wrong, but it does put constraints. It does say that, well, you know, the simplest versions of supersymmetry clearly are wrong. Otherwise, we would have found the particles. Um, so yeah, uh, it does leave us with this situation that the standard model of particle physics, which is the collection of all uh, um, the ideas describing the quantum world, three of the four forces of nature are described by it. It's the most powerful collective umbrella um, view of what the building blocks of the universe are made of. It's not wrong. It's um, uh, you know, it, it, as far as we know, it's it, it's there, but we know it can't be the last, you know, the the the, the, the um, point of you know the, the the story has to go on. Yeah. There are other there are missing features that standard model can't explain yet. Um, so yeah, there is a slight frustration that experimentally, you know, we haven't found it. Maybe it's impatience, you know, because the Higgs boson was uh, you know was discovered quickly, or in astronomy when you think about 
as soon as LIGO, the, the Search for Gravitational Waves uh, Laboratory, well, there's two of them, one down in Louisiana and, and one in the uh, Northwest in Washington State, as soon as they switched them on, they discovered gravitational waves. And so, well, to be uh, fair, that was after they switched to the advanced version of LIGO, having not discovered anything for 10 years. I mean, they... That, that, that is true. And, 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 and certainly there's been a search for gravitational waves for even longer than that. Yeah. But, but you, there is the frustration that you build these large uh, machines to, to, to discover something new about the universe. If you don't find them, you know, well, you've invested your career. You, am I going to sort of retire before anything new is discovered? I want to be part of it. I want to be part of this, the celebration. Um, but on the other hand, it may be that, you know, these fundamental theories or, or your new theory of quantum gravity, bringing quantum mechanics and relativity theory together, maybe it's, it's complicated and there's a long way yet to go. Right. Um, and, you know, we're just going to have to bite the bullet and, 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 and just keep working at it. Yeah. It may take many years. Well, so in, in the book, you talk about this, this, you provide this analogy talking about, you know, you're walking home from the pub or whatever and you lose, you drop your keys and you, and you go back and look under the various, do you look under the, under the streetlights where it's going to be easy to find your keys or do you look in the dark patches in between? And and but then which apply, are larger, yeah, yeah, and apply which is a yeah. harder search space, but is potentially more fruitful. So, and as you apply that to to science, just this idea of you know, do we make incremental progress on the fairly known territory to just keep teasing out the details, and hopefully mm. that will chip out something bigger, or do we go after the completely novel, you know, the novel approaches? Do you? have a preference um certainly in my in my own research career until recently i should say working in physics so uh, i'm modeling atomic nuclei understanding how the protons and neutrons arrange themselves according to the laws of quantum mechanics within uh, exotic types of, uh, of atomic nuclei i work very closely with experiments so an, um, an, an, a nuclear accelerator will will, will um, generate some data that I then apply my mathematical models to. Or I would develop a mathematical theory uh, or computer model and say, if you do that experiment, you should see that particle created, or you should see that thing sticking to that thing. So I've worked very closely with experiments. In that sense, I've been searching under the, the, the street lamps, you know, where, you know, where there is light. And that's the incremental thing. Uh, someone working in superstring theory or in, in cosmology, uh, some of the more foundational areas, the more esoteric parts of, of physics, they are, the, they are the searchers in the dark. So they're groping around. By the, the analogy of the groping around is that there is no experiment that we know that we can carry out to test their ideas. So they're on their own. They're developing these mathematical models and they've got no way of testing them to see whether or not you know, that's the correct description of nature. So although they have no way of testing, on the other hand, if they're right, that those are the big revolutions. Those are the big sort of, sort of um, uh, uh, paradigm shifts in, in science. So you certainly do need both. You need the incremental advances, you know, taking what we understand a little bit further, checking it against an experiment. Yep, verify it, good, that's right, move on. Then you've got the people working on these, on these more esoteric areas. There's been a number of um, authors. I mean, I'm I'm not too critical in my book. I tend to try and be agnostic about it, but a lot of people have written quite critical um, commentaries about I, areas like cosmology and, and and string theory because they say that they're not even real science. If you can't test it, 
can't test your theory. You might as well say there are fairies at the bottom of my garden. You know, that's my theory. Uh, if, you, if you can't test it, it's just pretty maths in this case. But, you know, uh, to be fair, even for string theory, um, it has delivered some fairly useful mathematics that has seen practical application in other fields. So, yeah. so the math that is coming out of this field actually has some benefit. Oh, um, yeah. No, absolutely. It's, it's, it's proving to be very a very powerful mathematical tool. But a string theorist want more than it just to be a powerful mathematical tool. They want it to tool. be they reality. Want it to be the, the, the true description of reality. Yeah. Exactly. And it may not be. Uh, right. Maybe they have to settle for it being a very powerful mathematical tool. I think um, it's a perfectly acceptable, you know, uh, second. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah consolation absolutely. And prize. There's no denying. There's no denying it's been very useful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. absolutely. Now I know you've got uh, just a, a couple more minutes left here before you've got a you've got to head out. Um, so this question comes from there's an audience watching. This comes from Bim Jim, and he asks of, of all the physics that there is to know about the universe. How much do we now know? So, you know, you talked about how phys you know, scientists were, were anticipating the end of the end of science. Clearly, that didn't hold. I think it's we can safely assume that we're nowhere near the end of science. Do you how how much science do you think is left to do? <laughs> well, I mean, that's the big unknown. You know, what what fraction? How close are we to the ultimate truth about the nature of reality? You know. Are we getting nearly there or are there sort of an infinite number of layers of the onion? You keep feeling unit part of atoms, they got nuclei, they got protons, they got quarks, they made of strings, you know, how far do you go? I think the truth is we have come a very long way. Almost all phenomena around us in our everyday world are described beautifully and accurately to many, many decimal places by the physics that we know now. Quantum field theory, general relativity, thermodynamics, the technology we built on the physics, is uh, are remarkable they've changed our world uh we 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 still think there are there's another maybe another revolution to come uh, to understand a deeper reality um but uh, you know we can do very well you know in understanding the world without having to find a theory of everything uh, uh, so uh, i think we, we've come a very long way how far are we from the end well you know uh, we may never reach there yeah, but in, in a way, that's what makes the journey so interesting. But the but we are definitely finding that the that the scale of the experiments are going up by orders of magnitude as we are teasing these last few decimal places out. So it does yeah. feel like, and, and I think yeah, we have to uh, stop somewhere. I mean, I think someone was saying uh, recently that if we really wanted to build the equivalent of a large hadron collider that could have energy large enough to the scale of, of super of strings which are so much tinier than the scale of the particles that we talk about now then we'd have to build a, a collider the size of the galaxy you know good luck trying to get that funded yeah <laughs> <laughs> so, so, I, so i think we're gonna just have to be more imaginative it's not about building bigger and bigger machines it's about finding cleverer ways of probing nature in different sorts of ways that, that can tease out some of these some of these secrets or looking through our telescopes, studying the cosmos at, at the larger scales that might tell us something about the world of the very small. So I think that we haven't given up hope. There's plenty more um, uh, if we use our imagination to keep trying. Well, uh, Jim, again, thank you so much. The book is The World According to Physics. And this is just the latest of many books, including uh, 
a lot of other backgrounders on science, on physics, uh, on the on the work by Arabic astronomers. Um, mm. So uh, if people want to follow the work you're doing, who maybe aren't seeing you on television every couple of days, uh, there's lots to, lots to go. So Jim, thank you so much for, uh, for coming and taking the time to talk with us today. And uh, I'm sure, you know, when the supersymmetry does get discovered, uh, let us know. I will do. Thank you very much for having right. me. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Bye-bye.